Philippians, the third chapter. We share here in these words, the fourth verse. If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as lost because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as lost because of the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having the righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his suffering by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached this goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Now let us pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's always a wonderful time of the year when we get to look at these scriptures, particularly the scripture today that relates to our Christian faith and how we are called to find the confidence in Christ Jesus. Um, I know just like just many of you, I've been watching the tournament and it's been a very exciting tournament with a lot of historical firsts with teams going that have never been to the Final Four, and now we will see a championship unfold. And the word confidence is coming up a lot in discussion. How can people be so confident in such a time? And particularly that young man named Guy from Virginia who was able to sink the free throws. He stepped up to the line with so much confidence as they gathered at the game yesterday and won it for Virginia. I read a study a few weeks ago that says we should make around 95% of our free throws. That's, it's, there's no one standing in our way. We're on a line, we have an open shot, we practiced it a million times, and I can tell you, I can shoot a free throw. All you have to do is get your feet right behind the line, you find your rhythm, you get your elbow tucked in, and you release it. That's all you have to do to shoot a free throw. It's so easy to do, you know. But it's not easy. Now, a lot of people, they mistake confidence for self-confidence. In fact, most books, if you go to the bookstore, they'll sell you a book on how to be more self-confident. Ten steps to be more self-confident. Step one is buy my book and you'll be more confident. But confidence is not self-confidence. They're two different things. Confidence is not in ourself. Confidence is in someone else or something else. So God, last night, when he 
uh, was he was fouled, uh, which, which could be questionable, but we're confident that the referees made the right call. He steps up to the line, and Brant said earlier this morning in our worship committee meeting we have, um, he said he just had that look on his face like he was going to make it. And I said, yeah, it, I don't think it even dawned on him that he would miss it. He just got up there. He did say he was nervous in the interview, but you could not tell it. And it's interesting because he had said to preface that statement, he wanted to thank the Lord. Now, in the later game with Texas Tech, the star of that game, they interviewed him and they said, well, how do you feel playing so well? And he said, I want to thank the Lord. And then he went on about that. And then he said, what was the question? I forgot the question. See, see, confidence is not in self. Confidence is in something greater, someone greater. So Guy, of course, is a good, he's a good Christian young man, and he shoots free throws with high accuracy, and he was confident God put him in that place to make that shot. He said, these are the things we dream of, is what he said in the interview. This is what we dream of when we're young, to be in a place. So how can we have confidence? Well, Paul is saying it's not self-confidence I'm lacking in. In fact, he goes through the scripture and he relates all the things that make him self-confident. He is a Pharisee, which means he's a trained lawyer of the Jewish law. He is from a prominent family. He's a Roman citizen, though he doesn't mention that here, but he mentions that in many other places. He is a Jew among Jews. He's from the tribe of Benjamin. He has all these self-confident elements about himself. Yet in the scripture, it is not his self-confidence that is being questioned. It is his confidence, and he tells us how to have confidence, and that is to have something greater than ourselves. Now, this is hard to do to the current generation that we live in, and I mean everybody, not just an age group. We all are so self-confident that we think we can handle all things, but I can tell you in life there are things you cannot handle by yourself. There are things that are too heavy, they're too weighty, they're too nerve-wracking. We need each other so much. You not only see it in times of grief and loss, but you also see it in times of joy and happiness. Sometimes the most lonely moment you can ever have is when you win the game and you find yourself all alone because now you've reached a pinnacle of life and you now don't know what to do next. See, confidence is not in self. That cannot be said enough this day and age. People are so self-confident, and that self-confidence is leading them to ruin because they're not depending on other people instead of depending as they should on God. So that is what Paul is saying here, that our confidence is in someone else, and that someone else is Christ Jesus, which allows us then to become what Christ would have us come. He wants us to be a certain way. He wants us to move from point A to point B. That was one of the great revelations I had up in the mountains when I was leading all that ministry I did for a decade. I realized God is in constant motion, and he calls us to be in motion. Just like Jesus constantly went from town to town, and his disciples followed him, we must follow Jesus because he's taking us somewhere. We can have confidence that he is taking us somewhere. I know we have been around people who are confidence and stealers, people who are motivators, people that every time we get around, we feel like we're lifted up and we are confident we can handle this. We are confident we can do this, not because it's us, but because of we're something greater. Marriages that are successful 
the couple is very confident in each other, where one part of the couple will help the other part of the couple and the family will be confident and we're confident in each other. Now, it's hard to do this day and age because so much confidence has been shaken. It's been shaken by the traditional measures of our society, not that they've done wrong, but because our culture now is so self-confident, it's lost trust in another. We used to have confidence in the military. We used to have confidence in the police. We used to have confidence in the teachers. We used to have confidence in the preachers. We used to have confidence in the church. And across the board, our culture every single day is getting evidence that more and more people are losing hope because they don't know what to believe in anymore. They don't know what to trust in anymore. And I guarantee you when that opening presents itself, the devil will inject himself and say, believe in me, trust in me. And if you remember the temptations of Jesus, he had already been tried. He had already been tested. He was weak. He was weary. He was worn. He had been in the desert. He had been without. And the devil hit him at that most inopportune time when his confidence would be shaken. And the devil says, you're hungry? Go and make that bread. You can do that. You got the power to do that. Go and make these nations your own, but bow down to me. See, what happens is when people lack confidence, they turn to false gods and false idols Hence is why we can't shoot free throws past 95%. In fact, even some of the greatest free throw shooters of all time, like Seth Curry, you know, I like Seth Curry. He should have been at Carolina. He went to Davidson instead. He gave him a great run in the NCAA tournament. But I read an article the other day that said that Seth Curry, you know, he's from Charlotte. His father, of course, is from here in Carolina. He has strong Carolina roots. I found out the other day he's been playing with bad eyesight. (laughs) I found out the other day he had a condition where he's blurry. Everything is blurry. This man who shoots threes at record distance at amounts we've never seen before, who has like a 92, 89% free throw average, is half blind. He's just like me, half blind, you're not. So how do I do it? Well, I can tell you. When I used to play for Hornet Central in my heyday, and of course those stories have gotten so bigger than they really were, but it's exciting to be able to create a story out of a myth, you know, and create a legend, which uh, hasn't really happened. But I used to play without glasses. The reason is I tried contacts. That was early on when contacts were hard. They were hard to get in, had some of the first soft contacts. And one of those uh, Johnson boys over there in Andrew put his finger in my eye and tore the contact, and I couldn't wear them anymore that season. So I would just play without glasses. In other words, I would just aim for whatever form and shape I saw in front of me, and I looked for colors. So Hillsborough Orange, I just looked for anybody orange and I would tackle them. No matter if they were coach or player, I would tackle them because I'm half blind without my glasses. Now, of course, I've had surgery and I can see now, but I can't see up close. So that's why I have to wear my glasses when I'm close. But my confidence is I'm going to hit something. I just look for a general form. And I think that's what Seth Curry's been doing, just shooting at the gold, fearless, just throwing the ball up. Now, he's a man of faith and his family, they are people of faith, and he has confidence God put him in that place so he could show others how to trust and believe in something greater than self. And that's what Paul is saying. Yet whatever gain I had, these I have come to regard as lost because of Christ. In other words, the more I become Christ-like, the less I'm me, and I become who God would have me be. Because me is not the answer. 
Me got me in this mess. Me messed it up. Me struck out. Me missed with the free throws. Me lost the game. We live in a culture so much about me that we are producing failure because people think they can go in and figure it out, and they can't because they can't figure it out because here's a little secret. The game is rigged. Here's a little secret. The game is rigged. Now people say, well, it's not rigged. That's so negative. You're negative nanny. You're negative Jerome. Why are you so negative? I'm not negative. I'm a pragmatist. I see the truth. The game is rigged. I could bitch press about 240. I'm sticking out my chest now, but you can't really tell. But the crossing flame becomes larger. I was so strong in high school. I could jump. I could put this much above the rim of a basketball goal. Ten foot up in the air. I could lay this much. Couldn't dunk anything but a tennis ball, but I, I could do that. I worked so hard to run and to be in great shape. And look at me now. The game is rigged. It's pitiful. My brain, I studied so much. I just consumed knowledge. I became an expert, became a doctor, received the first degree of that sort in my entire family history. And I can't even remember what I had for lunch yesterday. My, the game is rigged. If me and Brad were to have a race in the parking lot after church, you know who would win? None of us would win because I would double over in the first few steps and Brad, he'd probably stop and try to help me. The game is rigged. In other words, we can't win from losing because we live in a world that we cannot find that confidence in self and nothing is as sad as that moment, that truth that happens when we realize we can't carry this ourselves, that we need someone else and that someone else is Christ. We need Christ. Paul is saying the more I realize how much I need Christ, the more I grow into being Christ-like. He says, these gains that I think I have are but loss in this surpassing knowledge of knowing Christ, my Lord, so that I am becoming like him. I am more Christ-like in what I do. So that means when I go up to the line, and I shoot the free throw. It's not that I have the elbow tucked in, and it's not that I have the correct form, and it's not that I know the body motion and I can make the free throw. It's that I trust God put me there to hit that shot to win the game. Did you know my first basketball goal was in Moorhead City? I was a little boy back about 1970, was eight years old. I went and took my sister's trash can. She didn't need it. And I cut the bottom out of the trash can. It was kind of a, a woven, uh, maybe bamboo, I don't know. But I took out a knife and I cut the bottom out and I nailed it to a palm tree down in Moorhead City. And me and the neighborhood boys used to go out there and we would pound the rock is what they call it. We would shoot that old half flat basketball and I would shoot and that palm tree leaned and I knew the way it leaned and I was real good because I could hit from anywhere. Now, of course, I'm a little kid. I'm embellishing a little bit, but I had great confidence. But as we get older, we realize that we can't. Now, you know, usually if a person shoots and they're a little bit short, it means they're tired. And we get tired and we get weary. And we can't make the shot. And other times we have something else on our mind. We're worried about the crowd and their cheers or their boos. We're worried about our coach hollering at us. You ever had a hollering coach? 
I know we don't have any hollering coaches here. I know all of our coaches build up self-esteem and self-awareness and showed love and support and said, how are you today, young man? It's so good to see you, Coach Farrell used to do. No, he did not. My Lord, he run us till our tongues hung out. He believed even though we may lose, we would be in shape even if we lost. I love Coach Farrell because he set a standard and he helped us to realize that things are possible when we work together and have confidence in each other. That is why church is so successful. That is the secret of a successful church is that we instill confidence in each other, Sunday in, Sunday out. I pray my message instills confidence in you. I pray the music instills confidence in you. And I know that the Lord's table gives confidence that we are becoming more Christ-like. God has given to us this ability for his availability in our life. God has given us this confidence that we can depend on the Lord. And there are times that we have nobody else to depend on. There are times we have no other place to turn. So we turn to God. We say, Lord, help me through this. Lord, help me through this. I remember one day, it was late in the evening, a young man had tried to hurt himself. I was at the hospital. My heart was broken because he almost seceded. And uh, the family was there and I didn't know what to say, but I knew to be there and to show love. But my confidence was, was pretty it was pretty crushed that day because I didn't know what to think. Why would someone give up hope when they have so much to live for? Today, by the way, there are record numbers of this. I know you've seen on the news the young victims of the school shooting, and now there's been more of these infliction of pain. Why is it people lose hope? Well, that day I was losing hope, and so I excused myself, and I went out, and I found a quiet place to pray, and I said, Lord, I said, I can do nothing here. I am nothing. Help this family and help this young man I trust you, and I believe in you, and I'm confident you will do what needs to be done. And the miracle happened. The young man recovered, now living a life with his family, yet I still wonder, not because of him, but I wonder because of me. Why did I lose confidence so much that day? because of some weakness in me, some sorrow in me. It was because I could not see what was so real in front of me. There's just a few feet between me and that goal. And all I have to do is go through the motion of faith and shoot the free throw. And know it's gonna go in because that's what free throws do. They're free and you throw the ball up there. They're free. See, God has given us the free throw. God, God has given us the free throw. And all he says is, this is what you got to do. You got to step up. You got to make a little effort, not a lot of effort. I'll guide the air. I'll guide the lights. I'll guide the ball. All you have to do is just throw it up there. Even if you're half blind, you can't see. Even if you don't have the strength and you're weak and you're weary, even if you don't know if it's going to go in or not, just let her fly and get her done. 
I love country people and I love country attitudes and I love many words becoming war, uh, you know, one word like what you do, what you doing, get her done, get her done. I, I, I love that. Proper English in every way. But understand that God isn't looking for proper, He is looking for faithful. So when we let life happen the way he would have us let it happen, our becoming Christ-like now becomes something we consider. There's another alternative. There's another solution. There's another way. We consider maybe something greater is happening. Something greater is about to occur. Now, the rest of the story may be played out Monday night. We do not know. This Texas Tech team looks very good. They have Mahomes as one of their candidates, you know, one of their alumni, their great quarterback of Kansas City. And he's a great quarterback. And this team has never been, and they may win. But I tell you, the story that I think will play out, not that I predict the future, but the future predicts itself. As I think back to last year, not to Carolina in particular, even though I love Carolina, not to Duke, even though Duke had a tremendous year this year with great players. I think back to that first round of last year when the number one te team in the nation, Virginia, a powerhouse playing old-style slow basketball, very boring basketball, by the way, extremely boring. You can eat a lot of popcorn and snacks while you watch them play, hardly no excitement. But last year, the number one team in the nation in the tournament faced the worst team in the tournament, and they lost. The first time ever a first seed has lost to a 16 seed, and all year, they took uh, flack, they took persecution, there were stories written about them, they were called into question of how could this great team lose to a number 16 team. And I think about now, this year, they went from the worst, like Brad said this morning, they went from the worst to the first. Why? Different coach? No, same coach. Different program? No, they're exactly like they played last year. Very boring, slow, methodical basketball, and Dean Smith would love it with his you know, four corners. Why? Why did they go from worst to first? Well, as you know, in the tournament, they should have lost a bunch of times right now. Balls rolled in and out the hoop. They have been so lucky. The whole state of Virginia is happy. They're getting to experience what we in North Carolina experience all the time, a great team. We're so proud of ourselves. We're so self-confident in ourselves. You know, they went from worst to first because that young boy named Guy, who's not an average guy, went up to that line. He made it. Now they're one point behind. He made it. Now they're tied. And he made it. He was fouled on a three-point play. He scored, what was it, six points or so in the last maybe two seconds. He had already hit a three-pointer from the corner uh, a little bit earlier, about a second before. And here he is hitting these free throws, and it's absolutely amazing that we have this event where it was not self-confidence but confidence because he knew God put him there. Put him there to make those shots. He knew it because last year he felt the pain. 
Last year, he knew it wasn't about him. It was about believing in something greater. So I think the greater story is not Texas Tech, having never won. I think the greater story is Virginia, who went from worst to first, because nothing thrills my heart as much as a sinner saved by grace. Nothing makes me more happy than someone who has lived only for self to now live for Christ and know the power of his gospel. It is to consider that we are the children of God and to respond and act upon that. So that is why I am confident in this time of failing hope. I am confident because next Sunday our confirmands will join the Christian church. Our children will join the church universal. And they will carry the vision and the dream of a Christian faith, not into oblivion of a changing age, but they will carry it into a world that needs Christ as much as ever before. Because I'm going to tell you something. Even if you're totally healthy, even if you're totally wise, even if you're totally rich, even if you have everything that could possibly go right, everything happening, if you do not know Christ, you are nothing. Only in Christ Jesus do we claim the confidence that God has allowed us to do. And it's taken me, that young boy who, who was a bench warmer, that young boy who uh, uh, lived his life in such a transition now to be this man who stands before you knowing I'm confident that Christ Jesus can make this happen. So before you take that journey, turn to the Lord and trust in Him. Before you make that decision, Trust in the Lord. Before you start that relationship, trust in the Lord. Before you live another day of your life, trust in the Lord. Be confident in his mercy. And just as Paul, I now consider that I have made it my own, but it's one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, forgetting all those times I missed the free throw. And straining what is forward, I press on towards the gold for the prize of the heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Dear Lord, open up our hearts that we may gain confidence even more in you and know that all things are possible. For we who love the Lord and are called according to your purpose, O oh Lord, help us in this time that we may grow in grace and faith and know your presence in everything we do. Amen.